Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Today, we're going to start a new series called Messy Life, because really, what better series could there be for the month of February? Because I think February is actually one of the messiest months of the year because in February, uh, all the plans, all the resolutions, all the stuff that we were going to do, right, just four weeks ago, um, all kinds of, all kind of hits the skids, right? So January makes sense, February, not so much. You know, I, I look at the, uh, the start of the new year and I think, man, this is going to be it. It's a fresh start. I'm going to be so organized. I'm going to do it right this year. Like, um, for example, the gym, okay? The gym. I'm like, I'm restarting the gym. Sure, I paid for it all last year. Did I go? No, it's all right. They're nice people. This year I'm going to work out. Kettlebells, absolutely. Thank you. Truck tires, truck tires. Yeah, I'll flip them. I'll flip that. I got that. Um, Let's see. Oh, Orange Theory. Have you heard about this one? Like, sure, I want to burn calories into uh, June. That's great. Ballet training. Yeah, I'll be flexible. That's good. Makes sense. Um, Eating right. That's another one, you know, when the new year comes. Yeah, I got the books, right? I'm going to do this. Whole30, Plant Paradox, Adkins. Remember that one? Paleo, ortho, klepto, whatever. I've got the book. I'm going to do it. Now, you know, sometimes now you can sign up for stuff where people will send you food in the mail, which I think is very strange. But anyway, that's part of it. How awesome is that? And spiritually, right, January is awesome because I go and I'm like, hey, I'm setting the alarm. I'm getting the slippers by the bed, right? I'm gonna, it's going to be awesome. I'll be able to put it on the gram. You know what I'm saying? Like me and my little steaming cup of coffee. It'd be great. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be great. But when I transition from January to February, things already, you know, starting to get a little crazy. By the time February's here, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm already running a day late and a dollar short pretty much in every area. Because the gym, like, have y'all seen how cold and rainy and dark it is in the morning? Like, that is awful, right? Food? Paleo, don't even like it. What is quinona? I don't know. What is this stuff? Like, I, I, I don't know what this is. Spiritually, honestly, like I need a crane or a forklift to come get me out of bed anyway so that I can still be late. So the whole idea of getting up early and all that stuff, it's, it's really, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't work out the way I want it to be. Because here's the reality. Um, life gets messy. Life gets messy. We want orderliness. We want things uh, to make sense, to be neat and laid out. But the reality is messy just happens. It just does. Kids need help with their homework. You know, (laughs) this week, yeah. Like a, a car, one of my kids' cars got dropped off with like no gas, no battery. Like just stuff happens, right? It's just, it's, it's the way it goes. But here's what I want us to see. Messy does not have to mean miserable, right? Messy does not have to mean miserable. We can still go through life with a positive experience of what God has for us, even when life gets more complicated or entangled or unexpected than we would choose. 
Now we're going to be looking at different people in the Bible for these next, uh, it's a three-week series. And to get us started this morning, we're going to look at a man who ended up in a mess, and I don't know if this is encouraging to you or this is discouraging to you, but the truth is he ended up in a place he didn't cause it, right? He didn't cause the stuff that he went through. He was walking in obedience to God and things still got tough. Now, there are times in life uh, for me where there are things that I do, decisions I make, people I listen to, right, where I cause my own mess. Like I set things in order and, um, you know, it, it just, I reap the whirlwind as the Bible says. But there are also some times when I'm not in that particular way, right? I'm kind of trying to walk in obedience. Have you ever been there? Like maybe... You know, the new boss comes in at work and, hey, look, let's be spiritual. They are a total nightmare, right? Just, there's your new boss. Hey, here you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, right? And maybe it's uh, been a teacher, a coach, somebody who is legitimately, they're just a train wreck and they, they affect your circumstances or you go to the doctor, Right? And maybe it's not tragic, but it is something that's going to make life more complicated for the foreseeable future. You know, I like to think that I'm a decently logical person. So I like it when things line up, you know, I like this whole cause and effect. It gives me comfort so I can make my way through. But when something happens that completely derails my life just from out of the blue, uh, that can be a hard thing. So the guy we're talking about today is Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was a, a prophet who was God's person for uh, the Israelites on the scene for the last 40 years before this last remaining group of Israelites were uh, taken off of the promised land that they'd been on for generations. This was the southern kingdom known as Judah, if you're keeping track at home. And they actually ended up being captured, conquered, captured, and exiled by the Babylonians who came through. Now, Sometimes we think that prophet uh, means someone who tells the future, and that's kind of part of it uh, in, the, in the Old Testament when we see that. But mostly they were just kind of crazy preachers who just told people what was up. So there's some element of foretelling, but a lot of it is just forthtelling, like saying, hey, here's what God is saying. This is what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, most of the time, the listeners of these messages were not super receptive to that. So it was a hard, hard task. And the reason we know a lot about Jeremiah is because he has his own book in the Bible, which is appropriately named Jeremiah, in case you're interested. Uh, it's actually the longest book of the, the Old Testament, and it's full of what he said and did during uh, this time. So if you go back in, you start looking at it, just know it's not laid out chronologically, but it's laid out according to themes, and you can see kind of what what the messages that he gave were uh, during that time. And it was a dark time. It was a dark time. Uh, this is some of what God had Jeremiah do. He used him to speak these warnings of judgment to seven different national rulers over these 40 years, uh, three of whom were the Jewish kings, right? The, the Judean kings. The other four were just uh, the regents, the rulers of the, whoever was occupying them and that area at the time and different um, alliances and everything else. So can you imagine just poking up to the White House going, ding, ding, ding. Hey, I got a message for you. Uh, God had him tell the people that Babylon, who was a, at the, the time when he started a smaller power, would eventually rise up 
and conquer their entire land and take the people away from the land as prisoners, as exiles. Uh, God had him tell the people that the Babylonians were not only going to conquer and take them away, they're going to tear down the entire city of Jerusalem, including the temple. Now, this is, this is weird, but this is, this is uh, something to understand. The reason this was so tragic was because uh, the temple was the place of worship, right, for God. So his presence, sacrifices, everything was centered in the temple. So when Jeremiah comes along and says, hey, God is telling you that it's all going to go away, right? So what that meant was this place, this center of their relationship with God was not going to be there. And he said, hey, you're going to be gone for 70 years, 70 years, living as exiles somewhere else. Uh, That's a prophecy actually that Daniel, who was one of the first groups to be taken away, when he saw that Jeremiah had prophesied that, he started praying. God did it. It was right at 70 years. It's amazing. And then God also told Jeremiah to let people know, hey, look, there is good news. There will be a day coming when I'm going to do something different. Like I am going to uh, move into your hearts to help you be in a relationship with me from the inside out, right? No more 10 commandments, no more just obey the laws, but I'm going to do that. This new covenant, this new agreement, which was then later fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And then finally, in Jeremiah 29, we see God give a promise to Jeremiah that many of you may be familiar with in here that describes his heart for Jeremiah and then his heart for us as well. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and I hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me because I will be found by you. It's a pretty, pretty beautiful promise there in the midst of all of this. And, and this is why we're looking at Jeremiah today. So we can discover how we can be faithful to be on the path that God has for us even when life gets messy. Not because we're doing anything wrong, but just because that's the way life works. So how can we walk through this mess without being miserable? So Jeremiah shows us first place to start, number one, depend on God's call is our foundation. The truth is that God is calling for each one of us to be in a relationship with him. And until we get that set in our hearts that God has a purpose for us, then circumstances, life, things that happen will push us around and leave us exhausted and confused. But God is very clear. He knows why he created each one of us. This is how he said it to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me. I, God, chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now we know from the book of Jeremiah that he was actually in a a family of priests. So the most normal thing would have been for him to just follow along that line. And God says, nope, 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 heads up. I've got something else for you. I have a purpose for your life that I knew before you were even born. So Jeremiah knew that God had a call for him. The same thing is true for us. We can know that God has a call for us, something that he wants us to accomplish with our lives, the purpose he created us for also before we were even born. Ephesians 2 says this, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. You 
and I are not here by accident, right? It's not by some random spin of the dice, a whim of the universe. And until we get that set, when things happen to us, uh, it's just going to push and pull us around until we get tethered to that. Shockingly, for some of you in here who may know me, um, I, I went to Auburn University uh, and started out as a forestry major. Yes, that's correct. Started out in forestry. Uh, growing up, loved the outdoors. Thought, hey man, this is a great place to uh, spend spend your life. As a matter of fact, my kids were they were actually this week they were at a park and they're like, hey, we saw the Rangers there with that, and we're like, hey, that could have been dad. But yeah. But because Auburn didn't want their forestry graduates to be on the news as the lost hiker, the lost person, you know, there's always that once like, well, I don't know, he was here. And then like three days later, he's like living on bark and squirrels and everything else. They had us all do actually a summer of field skills. Okay. So we had to go out in the summer and um, yeah, it was was crazy. Amazing thing was it was in the woods of L.A., like lower Alabama. So I didn't even know there was a place like that, but it was, it was amazing. Uh, things like cartography, we would have to hand draw maps. We, we would have to step off uh, paces to measure for surveying. We had to see how many harvestable trees, like it was all this kind of stuff that was just crazy. And one of the skills that I distinctly remember being taught because I was horrible at it was orienteering. Now, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, Weeblows, Girl Scouts, whatever, you might be familiar with this. Orienteering means that you get a map and you get a little compass. <clears throat> and with those things, you're supposed to go from here, wherever you are, to there. Okay. Um, one of the things that they talked about that was so important was to know uh, where you're starting from, geographically where it is, know what time of uh, the season it is, and um, know what time of day, all that kind of stuff. Because... Here's the deal. Apparently, the earth is a really big magnet, right? Which I guess that's why we can walk on it and not fall off. And that uh, magnetic, some of you are like, wait a minute. Is that why we can do that? I'll let you figure that out. Check it out on the Google. It's a really big magnet. And so there's true north, the North Pole, but there are all these magnetic waves. And they will pull the compass needle off of that true north that's on your map. So you gotta know where that is. These things will, will turn it and you'll start from someplace, but you will not end up where you want to be. So you have to know where north really is, right? Same thing if our, with our lives. We have to know where we're really supposed to end up, which is in God's purpose for us. Now, I'll go ahead and share this. Did they have to send people out to find me? Did they? Well, they may have. They may have. Down there in Andalusia, Alabama, they did. I mean, it was fine. It was summer, so 8 o'clock at night, 8.30, been out there for 12 hours. It's fine. It was fine. I'm not scarred by it. Did I find all of the little, uh, little stickers I was supposed to find? Maybe not. Maybe I didn't, but the five that I did find were very significant to me. So I'm just saying. When we, set, when we set ourselves on God's purpose for us, right, it keeps us on track. And when we find ourselves in the woods, I haven't shared this with anybody else, but I will tell you, did I stumble across a den back in a thicket of kudzu with bones everywhere about 8.30? I did, I did. Did I do the high step out of there? I did, I did. Don't know what that was, still don't know what that was. But when we find ourselves in those, in those times, if we know where we're supposed to be, right, 
because we know that God has a call for us, it, it leads us back on track. We can stay tethered to him, right? So now once we set that foundational piece that God has a call in our lives, then what? What do we do when the tough times hit? Do we just stuff all those negative feelings down? Do we just ignore them? Dr. Phil would say no. I think, I think God would say no as well. Jeremiah gives us the heads up. Number two, we determine to go to God with our questions when times get tough, right? We don't stuff it down. We don't ignore it. I love how this works. Jeremiah keeps things real because if you know there's a purpose behind it all, it still can be difficult. It still stinks when things get messed up and we still have questions. This is what he said in Jeremiah 12. I love how he did this. You will be righteous, Lord, even if I bring a case against you. I mean, I know you got this covered, yet I wish to contend with you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the treacherous people live at ease? You plant them, they have taken root. They've grown, they've produced fruit. You are ever on their lips, but far from their conscience. I, love, I mean, have you ever gone to, like, wanted to get God? Like, I know you got this, I know you got it. However, I've got some questions here, right? I think we all do this. I think it's the natural thing to do when we see that life is getting a little ragged on the edges. It's a normal question to ask. You know, hey, why do people who don't care anything at all about lining up with God have these lives of success, widespread influence? And you see this little person over here in the corner who's, you know, walking with God, just absolutely getting pounded by circumstances. Why doesn't God shut down the people who talk about him all the time but their lives and their actions and their choices don't show anything that matches what they say. Now, by the way, if I'm honest, I'm probably both of these types of people at different times, but still, the truth is we all ask that question all the way through, it's part of being human. Psalm 10, look at what that says. Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked relentlessly pursue the afflicted let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. We ask these questions because at the bottom line, we want life to make sense. And the way life should make sense is this. We do God things, right? We walk with him and life should be simpler or easier. Because if we do bad things, then life should be hard. But that's not how it works. You see, the reality is that God wants us to grow in our ability to trust him and walk with him. And that's not gonna happen without adversity. I mean, that's just the way life works. We don't like it, but it's true. Paul says it this way in Romans. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And we may know how all of this is supposed to work, but when tough times hits, it's a good chance to remind us what problems and trials will help set a foundation that then we can build on top of with endurance, which will then help us build strength of character, which will then help us build confidence in our relationship with God. They're all building blocks. These things that we go through, building blocks to help us get stronger in our faith, 
in our dependency on God. Uh, you may not know this, but competitive cheerleading is a thing now. Maybe you do. Maybe you run your little skippers there. And uh, it's more like gymnastics, Cirque du Soleil, like it's stuff. Okay, we had cheerleading when I was growing up. Like, you know, you dropped a bomb on me, baby. Like that kind of stuff. But man, like this is crazy. If you've never seen it, uh, check it out. There's actually on Netflix, there's a, there's a thing on there. I don't know. Anyway, crazy what these kiddos do is they move up the ladder into the collegiate competition, right? And the whole deal is this. It happens, that competition happens one time a year in Daytona. And every team has two and a half minutes to do their routine. And that's it. Your year of work comes down to one, two and a half minute performance. And there are people like, they are throwing people. I, I, I said to Susan, I was like, I mean, did y'all, did, she's like, no. Like they did the pyramid, you know, where you're like, you're like this and you're like three people like, woo, like, oh, okay. I mean, they're throwing people. You hear the thud. It's, it's nuts. Now, two and a half minute routine. Can you imagine if I showed up at the competition? Looking like this. I can see what you're doing. Looking like this. And I walked over to the locker room and I got myself a uniform, right? A guy's, just being clear here. Got a guy's uniform, right? Put it on, knocked on the door. Coach, hey, I'm ready. Put me in. Can you imagine the horror that would ensue if I actually jumped in the middle? Maybe they would make me a flyer. I don't know. I'm so petite. Be like throwing up a wet bag of concrete. I mean, it would be awful. It would be horrible. Like the snapping, the popping, things that would, that would break, it would be awful, right? Because why? I hadn't built up any endurance. I don't have any skill. don't have any strength. Like there are some things that we know you don't just show up and do. It takes time, right? It takes practice. It takes, you ready? A little bit of stress. It just does. To develop skill and endurance. And God knows that. So it's not a surprise to him when we say, hey, I just, man, I just don't understand. Right? Because he's developing these things in us. So we don't have to avoid God when things go crazy. Now, some of you, a lot of you may know this in here. Jeremiah actually had a nickname. Um, it wasn't something cool like Jerry the prophet. It wasn't, wasn't King Daddy J like that. No. Does anybody know what Jeremiah's name was? What was his nickname? The weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. Why? Because things were tough. Things were hard. But Jeremiah always went back and said to God, I don't understand, right? I don't understand. And that's what God wants us to do as well. You see, if we're in here and we've made that decision that we're going to trust Jesus, right? He tells us when we give our lives to him, when we put all of our eggs in that basket, when we go, hey, I believe you, he says, you're family and God is your dad. Like it would have to be a pretty cold hearted person to turn away their six-year-old child, their 15-year-old child, their 30-year-old child, when they come to him and go, 
Oh, man, this hurts. Uh, you know, hey, I already know. You've already told me about it. I already know. I already know it. I don't need to hear it again. Just get on with it. Right? That's not going to happen. When we go to God, he says, tell me what is going on. Tell me what you're going through. Not because we're giving him news, but because he says, I know. Come on, let's, let's talk about it together. He wants to grow us through it. Number three, another thing that Jeremiah shows us is that we need to decide that obedience is more important than success. Now, this can be a tough one, and I'll tell you why. Because we tend to equate God's blessing uh, of things being easy and simple and nice and successful with our obedience. You know, God, if I start giving you money, right, you'll bless me financially. If I read my Bible every day, you'll make sure nothing bad happens to me. If I go to church, then all my problems will go away, right? It didn't work like that for Jeremiah, and it doesn't work like that for you and me either. Jeremiah 20 says this, Pasher the priest, the son of Immer and chief official in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. So Pasher had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in the stocks at the upper Benjamin gate in the Lord's temple. I mean, Jeremiah is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Did you catch what Pasher's job is? What, what does it say he is? He's a priest. They should be on the same team, right? But Jeremiah determined to stay on the path that God has for him. As I was looking at this, I came across a commentator who had written down some stuff. I want you to hear this. I think this is a, a beautiful way to put this. He said this, most definitions of success include references to achieving goals, acquiring wealth, prestige, favor, and power. Successful people enjoy the good life, financially, emotionally secure, surrounded by admirers and enjoying the fruits of their labors. They are leaders, opinion makers, trendsetters. Their example is emulated, their accomplishments are noticed. They know who they are, where they're going, and they stride confidently to meet their goals. By these standards, Jeremiah was a miserable failure. For 40 years, he served as God's spokesman to Judah, but when Jeremiah spoke, nobody listened. Consequently, consistently and passionately, he urged them to act, but nobody moved. And he certainly did not attain material success. He was poor, underwent severe deprivation. He was thrown into prison, thrown into a, a muddy well, taken to Egypt against his will. He was rejected by his neighbors, his family, the false priests and prophets, friends, his audience, and the kings. Throughout his life, Jeremiah stood alone, declaring God's messages, announcing a new relationship that would come, and weeping over the fate of his beloved country. In the eyes of the world, Jeremiah was definitely not a success. But here we are, talking about him, thousands of years later. Why? Because he realized that his obedience was more important than success. All God is after is our obedience. And whether or not we're successful is up to him. Even Paul in the New Testament realized that God is looking for obedience above all. And when we're obedient, then God is the one who promises to take care of the results. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, 
I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. If you're familiar with uh, Paul in the New Testament, you know, this was actually a thing, right? Because there were other speakers, there were other preachers that were going around and like they brought bands with them and they had things exploding on the stage and they had a flying drum kit. Whatever they had, it was amazing. Everybody loved them. And then people looked at Paul and they're like, Paul? And Paul's like, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna be who God called me to be. I'm going to be obedient to him and let him determine whether or not it's successful. Then the final thing for today that we learned from Jeremiah is this. When life gets messy, don't be distracted. Just do what it is that God has for us to do. It's the sideways looks that nail us every time. What's going on over there? You know, we're looking behind us when we should be looking in front of us. We look to see what others are thinking, what they're doing, when instead we need to be concentrating on what God has for us, right? Again, tethered to that call, to that purpose. So my kiddos, as they were growing up, um, they did uh, regattas. They were part of a rowing club in Columbia. Regatta, fancy Italian word for race. So why don't you just call it a race? I don't know. <clears throat> and they're in, these, they're, they're in these rowing boats, these little skinny, you know, they look like a water skimmer where they've got the things out here and they go. And they're really super tippy, super uh, shallow, like over the water, it can come in, everything else. And it's amazing because uh, it looks effortless in the water. Those things just slice through like everybody's working in tandem. But the deal is it actually takes a ton of work to make it look so easy. Everybody in the boat has a specific role depending on the number of people in the boat. One will set kind of the stroke rate, uh, how fast they go. Others listen up or shout out when to power up, power down, put more into it. And in the larger boats, someone actually has to steer the thing. In the super big boats, they got someone that's shoved up in a hole shouting orders to make sure everything stays on track. But if somebody doesn't stay in sync, they call it catching a crab, right? And so you've got, imagine, you know, you've got, just do a boat of four, you've got all these oars going. If someone dips and or, both or, whatever, at the wrong time in the water while they're scooting down, right? It's such, a, it's such a shock to the momentum of the boat that it will uh, shove that oar, crack a rib, bust fingers, or actually flip little Timmy out of the boat, right? And so there's little Timmy. He caught a crack. Guess what? Here comes the marshal. Here comes the guy. They pull him up. They put him on the boat. They have to get him back. The whole thing is over, right? It's just done. Why? Because, you know, you had one job, Right? But we all get distracted. Isn't that right? We all get distracted. We all look around at the wrong time, pay attention to the wrong thing. Look at what happened to Jeremiah. Tell me this wouldn't be a distraction. Jeremiah 26. Another man was also prophesying in the name of Yahweh, Uriah, son of Shemaiah from Kiriath-Jerim. And let me just tell you this. I'll just tell you this. When you read a name in here, like just, it can be Bob from Swansea. You know what I'm saying? Like it's okay, just... You know, keep on track. Don't worry about it. They brought Uriah out of Egypt, took him to King Jehoiakim, who executed him with the sword and threw his corpse into the burial place of the common people. But Ahikam, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah. So he was not handed over 
to the people to be put to death. If I'm Jeremiah, I'm like, what? They did what to Uriah? What? Tell me that again. Excuse me. But see, it really didn't matter because that was not God's path for Jeremiah. Of course, we're going to freak out when we see things going on around us. But Jeremiah wasn't in any danger, right? God had taken care of the path for him. If he had gotten distracted and decided to look away, step out, change, he wouldn't have fulfilled God's plan for him. And, you know, it's totally normal. You know, even the disciples had to fight this. Uh, At the end, Jesus is talking uh, to his disciples. He's giving them some final words. He's talking with uh, Peter about remaining faithful. He's letting him know things are going to be difficult, but that he should remain strong. And I love this because they're having this deeply significant conversation and Jesus is here. He's like, hey, look, man, you know, you really need to pay attention because it's going to get weird. And Peter's over here doing what we all do when people are telling us stuff. We're like, yeah, 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 okay, right. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, that we have no understanding about. And then Peter kind of looks past Jesus and sees the other disciples hanging out, right? And he sees John, this other guy. And look what it says, John 21. When Peter saw him, John I mean, he said to Jesus, he's like, uh, you know, so Lord, well, you know, okay, yeah, I got you, got you. What about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Like, hey, that's his life, that's her life, that's their life. This is your life. This is what God has for you. Look to me, don't be distracted. So as we finish up, right? Some things to remember, I think, that can be helpful. When things get messy, how can, we, how can we walk through the mess without being miserable? Number one, remember that God sees things I can't see. Top of mind right here. One of the things we say a lot in, in our family because I am a recovering control freak, it's true, uh, is this. A 30-second phone call can change your life forever. Do you understand that? Some of you in here have experienced that. For good, or for complicated. But there, there are things that can happen that God sees that we can't. And he's taking care behind the scenes. This is how God reminded Job of this when he started getting a little uppity, I would say. Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Can you imagine? The whirlwind knocks on your door and there's God. He said, who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man when I question you. You will inform me. It's not going to go good. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Of course, Job didn't know the answer to this. We don't either. Because God is setting things in motion that we can't see. So we can trust that he's working even when we We can't see behind the scenes. Number two, remember that God will be good to me even when I'm frustrated in my circumstances. God knows that some of the things we go through are tough. He understands that we're going to be frustrated. He's not going to leave us, right? Because we're cranky, because we have bad days. Jesus, we already talked about, shows us that God is a good dad. And he's not going to go anywhere even on our worst days. Romans 8 says this, who can separate us? From the love of Christ, can affliction or anguish, can your anguish get in the way? Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, no. 
In all these things, we're more than victorious through him who loved us. Be honest with God. It's okay. He will be there for you. Remember next that God has control over every circumstance. Yes. Do we ask for God to help us? Absolutely. Even when we're in the pits, even when we're going through it. Yes. Can he change it? Yes. Will he always? No. Is it because he has no power? No. It's because he has something else in mind for us. And that's what we trust. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. I heard a guy say this about God. Sometimes our disappointments or disappointments are his appointments for us, right? Trust in his heart. And then finally, remember to focus on what will last, which is God's love for me. It's all about perspective. The immediate gets our attention, or can we set that aside for the future? Even Paul, who suffered so much for so many years, he echoes what the Bible tells us that what we're facing now are light and momentary troubles. They don't feel that way, but in the scheme of eternity, perspective helps us stay the course. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 6. Don't worry about these things, all this stuff that's going on in here. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So here we are, we're in week six, right? Week six of the new year. Are you already feeling like things are starting to spin a little out of control? Wondering what in the world is going on? Depend on God's call as your foundation. Determined to go to God with your questions. Decide that obedience will drive you, not success. And don't be distracted. Maintain your focus on what God has for you to do, right? Even if things get crazy. God will take what's messy in our lives as we walk with him and make it magnificent. That's his promise.